Hello and welcome to Required Reading, the podcast that revisits the most impactful books from our childhood. I'm Erin Bowles, actor, writer, and drainage ditch princess. Our guest today is Allison Reese. She is an LA-based comic and writer. She was in the movie Bros and Stephen Colbert presents Tuning Out the News. You may also know her online as Alien Reese, Kamala Harris impersonator. Welcome, Allison. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Of course. Our book today is The Princess Diaries by Meg Cabot from Two. 2000. What a fun read. Setting the scene of 2000, top movies include How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Mission Impossible 2, and Gladiator. The WB broadcasts the season three finale of Dawson's Creek, which includes the first male gay kiss on U.S. primetime television. Oh. It is a huge year for TV premieres. This is a long list, but Survivor, Big Brother, Malcolm in the Middle, Even Stevens, Dora, Clifford, Caillou, Jackass, Gilmore Girls, CSI, (laughs) and Curb the Year Enthusiasm. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You did not just list Caillou next to Jackass. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I love that. (laughs) Our author is Meg Cabot. She's from Indiana, moved to New York to pursue illustration as a career, but then ended up working as an assistant manager of an NYU freshman dorm for 10 years. Wow. It's making her make more sense. Like, the way this book is written, it's like, okay, she was around people who were, like, fresh out of high school for 10 years. Mm -hmm. That makes... The very clear teenage voice makes so much more sense to me. Yeah, she, it is so crystal clear. She gets it so right, right on the Yeah. Down. She has over 80 books. The Princess Diaries st- uh, series is still going. May what? of this year, she published Princess in Quarantine. What? <laughs> Mia is in quarantine? Yep. And I think the last one before that might have been maybe 2015, there was a royal wedding one. Wow. And oh my God. for that one, 10% of her proceeds go to Princess Mabel Van Orange of the Netherlands charity to end child marriage. So that was nice. Wow. And one last little thing, the 2005 film Ice Princess, starring Michelle Trachtenberg and Joan Cusack and Kim Cattrall, was based on one of Cabot's short stories. Love that movie. Wow. What is your story with this book? How did it come to you? I don't remember exactly how it came into my sphere, but I remember it was the summer we were moving from Northern California back to Arizona. And growing up mostly in California up until that point, I was just so used to always going outside, always playing with friends, just like constantly outside because the weather was usually nice. And we moved in the summer to Arizona and that could not be a worse time. Just so hot and not used to it at all. I was like, oh, we'll go there in the summer. It's perfect. We'll make friends right away because everybody will be outside. Not at all. Not at all. It was too hot to do anything except read. And I got one of these books and was like, oh, this is my life now. Yeah. And I think that summer I reread like whatever four or five versions were out just like a bunch over and over and over. That was kind of my intro to this series. And I love the books so much that I have never seen the movie. Wow. Sometimes when I really like a book, I'm like, I gotta keep it pure. That's fair, because 
the movie was bigger for me in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. I read, I think, the first five books of these, and I read them super quickly, just burned through them. Yeah. But if I had not seen the movie, I think I had seen it before, the books, I never in my life would have cast Julie Andrews <laughs> as this grandmother. What a no. different character. This, <laughs> wow. Like, Grand Mare in this book has, like, tattooed eyeliner, is where introduced wearing a purple silk turban she calls diana princess diana a twink just (laughs) wild yeah and you know the book to movie differences i've never seen the movie but it had so much of an impact culturally Mm -hmm. that there are parts of it that i like misremembered from just knowing that that's how it was in the yeah movie the difference between it being in new york versus San Francisco in the movie, right? Yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot that the movie was in San Francisco, yeah. Looking back on it, I'm like, okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. This came out in 2000, 2000 and then... Yeah. So it made sense that they were like, okay, let's move this children's story to this other side. Yeah. But also, my spouse loves the movie. <laughs> loves the movie. And he was like, oh, the dad is alive in the book? And I was like, yeah. of course the dad's alive what are you even talking about yeah i wonder if that's like to give julie andrews more of the spotlight or more Mm -hmm. of the role like yeah and i think maybe they could just say it as like well we don't want to talk about testicular cancer there is a lot of uh, let's shove it to the side and talk about it there's so much more time i think spent in the movies on like the meat of the princess lessons of like how to sit and things like that and those are kind of i think partly because it's a diary it is formatted like that so you're not yeah in the moment but there's it's a lot more about the life and times which i think like there was another book that i did a couple weeks ago on the show that was all about a pop star and there was very little actual pop starring in the book there's mostly about <laughs> boys and stuff i guess let's just dive right in the opening line made me cry <laughs> the very beginning oh yeah because tuesday september 23rd sometimes it seems like all i ever do is lie I have so much respect and admiration for Meg Cabot as a writer because it is hilariously funny. This first page is great because she sets up this very crystal clear and like extremely insightful conflict of Mia needing to find a way to voice her wants and her feelings, which is something I'm still struggling with much later. And there's also this great redirect where the whole first entry is, I can't believe my mom is doing this to me. This is so gross. Everyone's going to think I'm a freak. And we think it's about the princess stuff because we know that that's what the book is about. And it's not. It's a great redirect. It's all about her yeah. mom dating her algebra teacher, which is barely in the movie. Yeah. I really felt for the dynamic between Mia and her mom, Helen, because it is, there's so much love in there. And yet Mia is very much being parentified. Mia is having to remind her about her work, about paying the rent early on. Yeah, I think Mia does all the cleaning. There's no cooking happening. It's like, it's one of those situations where the child is parenting the parent, which doesn't get much airtime, you know, in, in anything. Such a real thing a lot of people deal with. There's a moment very early on where Mia's like, wow, she's making pasta. This means, like, it's a big deal. <laughs> and it's like, honey, that's boiling water. That is like, yeah. <laughs> that's... There's nothing to making pasta. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask, did you keep, like, a diary or a journal? 
I did. And I think it was because of this book. I started to keep like a journal every now and again. Mm -hmm. But yeah, years before I got one of those like password journal things (laughs) where it's like, oh, only I can say this and then it'll open, which those never work. But I got it mostly because it was like a fun toy, it seemed like, as opposed to actually using a journal. But I did start journaling and I've I've done a lot of journaling in adulthood too. Mm -hmm. It's just become a very, I never thought it would be just such a really part of my everyday routine kind of a thing. I had a college class, an English class that was like the whole class was about journaling and what that means and writing and journaling and if that can be used as the benefits of it as like a form of therapy, a form of ADHD regulation, whatever. But it all started, I think, with this book in particular. I read it so much that summer. Oh man, I love that. Did you keep a, a journal or a diary? sporadically like I think the the most I really kept one was like right as high school was ending but I was wondering about this earlier and I was like actually I was on tumblr all the time I I think that was my diary (laughs) and yeah and I think there was something comforting in that like knowing that other people would see it as a form of like validation but the only people who like I had like two friends who knew my my tumblr so they would get it it was this weird level of like anonymity and recognition I need to scrub that from the internet and go after that. <laughs> it's probably fine, but just in case. I never really got into Tumblr. That's so funny that like it was just so public, but not. Yeah. Because I think part of why I stopped journaling is I was like, I don't want anybody to read this. <laughs> and there's nothing stopping anybody from reading it, really. I also grew up with a lot of siblings, so it was mm, like... yeah the possibility was always kind of there that somebody would find it and go through it. So that's, that's interesting. That Tumblr was such a public place to voice, yeah. but I, not. Yeah. Does that feel like really yeah. liberating? Yeah, I think so. I think it was like, and I think it ended up working out well for me in the end because I was very mentally ill and there were like at least one or two kids who was like, maybe an adult should check on her. Like we, <laughs> that like worked out very well for me in the end. Good. But yeah, I think it was like, there was something very validating in like strangers saying just like, that sucks, man. (laughs) And I think one thing that really resonated with me and that I respected so much about this book is the relationship between Lily and Mia, because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of love there. And yet Lily is mean. Lily is outright mean. And yet like, one of the first things I highlighted was like, she's being very mean. She's saying like, I don't understand you. You don't stand up for yourself. Your feelings have worth. And it's such a, a whiplash moment because she's being mean. And yet like her parents are psychologists. She's very accurate and even when she is being actively mean to Mia she still talks about her with such admiration like very clearly these girls like look up to each other which I thought was so nice and something that was not in the movie is how rich Lily is yeah you were saying oh uh what was I saying? Uh, I was just talking about how Lily's mean (laughs) and there's all this admiration (laughs) between the two I did like the way they ping pong back and forth and like mm-hmm. the growth of not just their relationship throughout the entirety of this first book but also like their individual growth like yeah. I felt like they both did by the end Mia is listening to her intuition and to herself and being like I don't deserve this guy being a piece of shit to me right. and at the end Lily's like hey I was being so rude and I apologize for that and I'll keep that in check yeah. and it was like really nice because 
there was something really real about that, about like that accountability between friends. And that's how that relationship grows and gets stronger. Exactly. I think accountability, I mean, it's a hard thing to do as an adult. It's super hard to yeah, do as a kid. These, like, yeah, these 14-year-olds were like, hey, man, I'm emotionally that's... intelligent enough to do this. Exactly. And yeah. I think that was like, I'm an only child like Mia. And I think in the parentification, you also, you have to have, I don't know, I think Mia has to have some emotional intelligence because she's doing a lot of excuses for her mother of saying like, but she's here when it counts and she does all of that. And I think that contributes a lot to the emotional intelligence, especially when it's like, it's just you and your parent and it's yeah. us against the world. Yeah. I wonder if in the later books, any of this, like, I parented you, like, yeah. you should figure that out, mom, comes up. I'd be very interested to see, like, does Mia grow up with us? Like, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. It's strange. And it's like, sometimes you get that in, like, TV shows, but then it ends after a while. And it's like, that they're still making these books. I'm like, what is, what a unique and, like, cool opportunity. Mm -hmm. To like go back and be like, oh yeah, this thing from earlier, like I should reflect on that. Like a, a thing I really love to do just in my free time is like watch old stuff, mm -hmm. and, like kind of find out what's problematic. Cause I yeah. think that that is, it's really cool to see like, oh wow, society has grown this much since then. Mm -hmm. Of like that is no longer acceptable to the point where it's shocking that it is even mentioned. Yeah. And it would be really interesting to see if Mia, this present day Mia, does that with this book, things happening. Yeah, but. because it, it straddles such an interesting line between innocence and adulthood and, and mm -hmm. growing up. Lily has a stalker. There is yes. the, the blind guy, capital B, capital G, who's a groper. Later and on- And a liar. Yeah. <laughs> There's later like a teacher that they just mentioned really briefly who's like always touching girls' shoulders. Yeah, and like giving massages. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, it's wild. I It made me remember that there was a teacher like that in my high school. There was, yeah. It was like, oh yeah, Mr. I, he's super creepy and is always like, for whatever reason, putting hands on certain girls' backs. And it's like, why? There's no need. That's just awful. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, that was really happening. Yeah. For this generation in that time. I don't know. If, I hope it's not still going on, yeah. but. There was a teacher like that in my middle school, and it was, I was thinking about it like, oh, that's like on par with all the other annoying stuff he did. Like, you can't use a paperclip, mm -hmm. you have to use a stapler. It, those were like equal things. And Mia <laughs> treats it all as like very, like, this is funny, this is just life, you know, hee hee. And I mean, I know as an adult reading it, that's very frightening and aggravating of like somebody. Mm -hmm get these guys away from kids. I don't remember how I read that younger. Right? I think yeah. younger, I was probably like, ha, 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 that happens, that's so life, that's relatable. Yeah. What so much of this book is that. I, I really love also her use of language and like the teenage mm -hmm. voice. Absolutely. Mixed with like these New York private school kids and their like high vocabulary. I thought it was a really fun like mix of those things. Like both mm -hmm. of these things can be true. You can say like yeah. a bunch in a sentence 
and still know like whatever words the Moscovich kids yeah. use all the time and be like very smart and, and yeah. political and all these things but be like ugh, Lana Weinberger is a freak she's so mean and like 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 yeah and that yeah. she can she can have that and like you said like also be extremely emotionally intelligent it's also in the movie to an extent but i think mia is a lot like having read a bunch of you know ya children's books mia is such a clearly drawn protagonist she mm -hmm. is so principled about everything about yes. she she won't do princess lessons until her dad says i'll donate a hundred dollars to greenpeace every day you do this she's yeah. militantly vegetarian which i also like that was very accurate i think that was a real personality trait in 2000 was hating mcdonald's oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah also thinking back at that time of like it was vegetarianism that was like oh you're a vegetarian yeah. And these days it's like veganism and that's how that's treated of like, oh, you're militant for the animals. Like, yeah. it's interesting. I had like a, it wasn't super size me, but it was like a, a book like McDonald's is bad book that I would be like, you need yeah. to read this to other kids. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a so girl funny. on my bus who became vegan like pretty early on. And I was like, oh, I see what she's doing. So I'm going to stop because I see now my <laughs> behavior reflected back to me. But even Mia is like, really at one point she's even like, I can't believe my mom is like going on carriage rides in Central Park. Those horses are being treated terrible. This is one tiny detail. It was a throwaway line, but it stuck with me. Helen listens to Howard Stern. Yes. What? That doesn't make yes. any sense to me. None. None. I cut that too. I was like, Howard Stern? Like... Like that was on her her iPod or whatever. Yeah. That stuck out to me too because I was like, "What the hell?" That'd be like, if, I don't know. I get Howard Stern is still in the air, but it's yeah. like to me, I'm like, that may as well be Joe Rogan, dude. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, it's it, it just didn't fit her deal as 100%. like this artsy, like woo woo kind of mom. Especially because, like, you know, she made Mia. You know how much these things matter yeah. to her. Yeah. Just yeah, very crazy. weird. My next note is all about the setting up of Genovia, that there are no taxes. Great. I love yes. that they explicitly say that Genovia was on the side of the Allies in World War II, because I was worried. <laughs> Although, Grand Mare does like Coco Chanel, which, Nazi. Mm. She says she hates any place you can't order up a decent sidecar. The sidecar specific is so specific. Like, mm -hmm. it was part of her princess learnings to learn what it consisted of yeah so funny this tattooed eyed grandma was like learn how to make me a sidecar exactly <laughs> and she she's so different like julie andrews in the movie is stuffy but not like not refusing to serve a woman foie gras because she had a baby out of wedlock she's yeah. not, like, she calls the paparazzi on her own granddaughter it's just yeah. vicious there's yeah there's definitely more viciousness to this grandmare <sighs> who would you cast as grandmare instead I was trying Maybe somebody to think. who has a little more bite. Yeah. Right? The only like answer I could come up with was I know around the same time Glenn Close did Cruella DeVille. <laughs> and oh. I felt like that was kind of like at least like a step in the right direction. What would you yeah. say? Because I was trying to think. I kept, Judith Wright? I, I don't know. Yeah. I I wouldn't know. Honestly, I feel like Glenn Close is probably 
probably the best. Well, maybe I could see Meryl Streep doing a good job of oh, it too. Yeah. But she's so, I feel like she could body this role. Yeah. In 2000, you could have done like a Judy Dench, maybe even a Maggie mm. Smith to de like get someone European. Ooh. Maggie Smith would have been, would have been really fun. Yeah. It, she would have been really good at that. I'm almost angry they didn't, like, they, the movie didn't give us this really delicious, like, meaty, grown-man yeah, character. Yeah, who's, like, who you, you kind of hate. She doesn't have too many redeeming qualities. Yeah. Like, at the end, there's one or two things, but even those one or two things are really self-serving yeah. for that character. And mm -hmm. it's not even for the, in the interest of Mia, for real. Yeah. Really like, interesting. From a reader perspective, like very refreshing. Like, what's your relationship with your grandparents? Because I had a grandmother who was just awful and like <laughs> felt very seen by this. I had one set of grandparents, kind of a strained relationship, but it was more like a Cold War as mm -hmm. opposed to anything direct. Absolutely. But my grandparents are more generally soft and squishy. Yeah. Just like not so sharp and i had you know one side of grandparents that yeah. that passed when i was fairly young so i didn't get to know them but the grandmother that just died last year i mean she a character um, <laughs> like right, my mom got married right after she finished uh, her bachelor's degree and started looking into master's programs and her mom went you're married what do you need a degree for oh, and all sorts of things like that like i'm very close with my mom's cousin and she is to this day she's terrified of my grandmother to this oh day, whoa she's dead <laughs> she, like that's a terrifying whoa. woman she was talking to me she's like i still remember her slapping your uncle from when we were like five whoa. i still remember that very clearly oh my god yeah wow yeah that generation is yeah. That's so that would scare me too. I'd be, I'm scared of her. She died last year. I went to my whole family, my mom's whole family is from Kentucky. So I went to, to help my mom with everything. And she was pulling out stories I had never heard before that were like, like I knew this was a bad yeah. lady, but oh gosh. And I yeah. think like the part of the fantasy of this book is, you know, well, what if I'm a princess and I don't even know it? But I think also like to me, part of the fantasy is that a big family secret is like nice and not <laughs> awful. Yeah. <laughs> That is interesting. Yeah, but I, it, it's so funny too, because like for Mia, she's like, this is awful. Mm -hmm. This sucks. It's like, no, well, I mean, I guess relative to the person, but yeah. that is interesting. I, I do wonder, just thinking about the grandmother and the country and like Genovia's moral code and yeah. their politics, their politics are really liberal. And yeah, like, I mean, Grandma is teaching her about Marxism. I, yeah, I was. Yeah. I had that highlighted of the what did Marx consider to be contra the contradiction in capitalism mm -hmm. was like one of her princessly duties to know. Yeah, I was like, okay, so why is Grandmere such a fuckhead? Yeah. <laughs> like, and is it, is so it a generational mean. thing or like, because I think the opening quote is um, like the dedication is a quote from a little princess and um, mm -hmm. I won't read all of it, but it would be easy to be a princess if I were dressed in cloth of gold, but it is a great deal more of a triumph to be one all the time when no one knows it. And so I think that was a really interesting point of like setting up this question of like, what is a princess? What mm. defines it? What counts? You know, what's what's the behavior? And I don't think they ever really answer that 
And I wonder if Grandmere is sort of like, you gotta be hard to, to survive this kid. But yeah. And I not remembering the rest of the book super well, I think I the perspective in the movie is kind of like we're getting a new generation who are kinder and softer and Yeah. You know, principled where it counts. Yeah, and don't have to be like, I'll tough it out or I have to have this unreasonably thick skin that makes yeah. me difficult and, and rough in other places in order to deal with this. It was striking that Mia, you know, and Cabot by extension talks about in terms of talking about her father is like mm-hmm. he had a really tough time growing up. He had a really hard childhood. Mm. I think Mia cognitively would be like, but that's not my mom. That's the totally different that my mom is so mm. good and my mom is totally different. Mm. I had one really shitty grandmother and another one that I didn't know very well. So she became awesome in my mind to like, yeah, yeah you have yeah. to, Someone in this family has got to be a good guy. Someone, I need someone to look up to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's somebody here who doesn't have their eyelids tattooed. There's this devastating moment. Helen and Philippe are trying to get Mia like on board with being a princess. And she starts to think that her mom wants to send her away. And that yeah. just hurt me so bad. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, I'm, I'm dog sitting. Oh, dog good. Freaking out. too. there were a lot of moments the dog has so much to say about this book (laughs) oh oh there were a lot of moments within this book that were just like really really hit the nerve of Mm -hmm. being a kid at that time and like when when shit hits the fan like where your brain goes to the whether it be rational or unrational or or whatever like like how a kid would think yeah. in these situations was, I thought, really spot on. And I I remember as a kid really relating to that and feeling really seen with that. Yeah. Of like... There's this repeated conflict that everything that Mia assumes is incorrect. Like, people are not paying attention to her because you stabbed Lana Weinberg with a cone. Like, Michael is not asking for a study session because he thinks you're stupid. And and I think I respected mm. that because, like, everything is confusing and everything is a mystery. Everyone else is, like, a black box. Like, she's she assumes that if people find out she's a princess, they're going to not like her and she's not going to become popular, which is yeah, so obvious. Like a freak and it's going to ruin her life and it's going to be horrible. And Yeah, yeah, that is so true. And, and even with the Tina character, mm-hmm. there's this big, long arc. We're introduced to, to Tina as like, oh, she's a total freak. She has this bodyguard. No one talks to her. Mm-hmm. And then it was interesting because as soon as you get to know her, that character, they stop referring to her in her full name. Yeah, like Tina the whole Hakeem book, Baba. I think it's yeah. her full name, yeah. Yeah, they they were referring to her as Tina Hakeem Ababa like the whole book until like page 159 yeah. or something crazy like that. And it was just so interesting. And like even Mia having this moment in her journaling and it's like kind of a passing thought of like, I really assumed a lot about her when I didn't know her and she's so nice. Yeah. She's like my friend now. Yeah. And she's not a freak at all. She's just in this wild circumstance how exactly. I am. Tina is not in the movie and I think that's a crime. Oh, what? Yeah. There's like Lily and Mia have a falling out, but there is 
it's a much bigger part of the book. Like I was so touched. There were so many times where me was like, I miss my best friend. I really miss my yeah. best friend. And like I, I had like a big fight with my best friend in sixth grade for like a day. And I remember how much that hurt, you know? Yeah. And also it just means so much more when you're that young, mm -hmm. like you have only had so many days up until that point. And so every day feels like a huge thing. Mm -hmm. So like even just a day without your best friend feels like forever. And Mia has this very real sense that I felt also of like, I'm alone in this world. And it, I've like, mm. one person is on my side. And if I lose them, I'm just gonna that be a freak in the wilderness. Over. Yeah. Yeah. I also really appreciated their use of freak. They use the word freak <laughs> so much throughout this book. Total which, freak. I'm gonna be a freak. Tina's a freak. <laughs> which felt accurate, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Very true. Oh, yeah. And the other big, I think, difference between the movie and the book is that the movie, I don't, I'm interested to see if you know this, the movie talks about a foot pop. Do you know about this at all? Okay, so What's there's a, a moment There's a moment where Mia is prepping. Um, they don't have the cultural diversity dance. It's like a beach event in the movie. And she's going with Josh. And Mia's saying, like, I really hope I get my first kiss. And I hope my foot pops. And Helen goes, what is that? And she says, like, when you kiss a boy in the movies, one of your feet, like, pop up. And you're only standing on one foot because you're, like, so in the kiss. Not in the book at all. <laughs> um, yeah, but, like, no. I was talking like last week with a friend and we we're both like, you know, you expect your foot to pop. That's so funny. It's like Wow, they it, really they really Disney fight it. Yes. Yeah. Cause like no also knowing that they didn't do the cultural diversity so much of the book was rooted in the politics of this character. Yes. And, and did the, is that lost in the movie for the most part? I think so. Like she there a lot of her activism is gone. I think like She's vegetarian, but I think it's like it's but kind that's of just like a, the I think it's, of it. Yeah, I think it's also like in an adult's perspective of like yeah, what a nuisance. I think, but there's also like a scene where Julie Andrews eats a hot dog, so I don't. That sounds like it's a big deal. It's like I just remember that. <laughs> they like <laughs> go, they don't go to Coney Island because it's in San Francisco, but they like go play arcade games and something. And Julie Andrews is trying to learn how to drive or something. Um, My husband talks mm -hmm. about that scene where they're driving because it's san francisco yeah, hills. Hill. yeah 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 mm. As I was reading this book over the last week, I watched Glenn Gary Glenn Ross for the first time. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll connect it, I promise. And um, I was watching it on TCM, and Dave Carr comes on and, and introduces the film, and he says it is almost exactly the same as the stage play, except for Alec Baldwin's big speech, is you know the most iconic part of like always be closing, and that wasn't in the play. And so I was like, the the foot pop, the most single cultural unit. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is interesting. Mm -hmm. That also was just like yeah. people who were like, okay, the movie version of this has to have this big cultural moment, or they're like, ah, oh, we just got to add, you know, like is that on purpose? The I don't know. Is that like a? I, I always wonder like, about that, like chicken or the egg, like what came first? Yeah. To an extent, they like might have played up the romance a little bit, but I also think like mm -hmm. between the book and the movie it both times felt accurate to how like a girl thinks about her crush you know so I didn't like mm. necessarily take issue with that and I, I wanted to talk about the Michael Moskovitz of it all because mm -hmm. I think like one thing that was odd to me at the very beginning 
there's a paragraph where Mia is like, Josh has all A's, like Michael. Josh is going to go to Yale, like Michael. Josh is this yeah. like Michael. And I could see it from a writer's perspective, but I think, like, the whole time I kept being like, Josh is a senior, and his girlfriend Lana is a freshman, right? Like, we're all, that's true, right? And then you get yeah. to the end, and it's happening again of, of Michael is a senior, but it's different this time. Yeah. I also love the detail of, of Josh dumping Lana at the Hard Rock Cafe. I thought that was so funny because, like, of course, teenage brain is like, well, we got to go somewhere fancy. Yeah. We got to make it special. So, of course, we'll go to the Hard Rock Cafe. Yeah. Even the, um, where did they go for their dance? They went to some, like, restaurant oh, before yeah. the dance that, would, like, had a similar vibe. That was Yeah, like, everyone was getting steaks. This is like a Red, Red Robin situation or yeah. something like that not like nearly as like classy as I think she had in her mind. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that is interesting. The, the Michael and the Josh of it all. Cause they really, I mean, bookended it with yeah. that of like Josh and Michael, Michael and Josh. But then in the middle, it was the focus was way more like Josh, Josh, Josh. But mm -hmm. then the undertones were like, yeah, but Michael's there. Yeah. You get along with him. Mm -hmm. It is strange that it's like, he is, so much older. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Something like, I didn't clock. How can you not, like, how can you not see her as a little sister? Like, I, I... Yeah, she's literally friends she's with your little sister. Right there. Yeah. 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 And, like, I wonder how much of the going forward, there are three people in that, in that relationship, you know, between it's Michael, yeah. Mia, and Lily. She's always going to be there. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. One of the, the biggest scenes from the movie, and it happens as well in the book, and I think it's just sort of like a hallmark of the time, of, of like mm -hmm. that era, is the makeover sequence. Ah, uh, yes. Which is, they like really do her up in the movie. She's got huge curly hair, like, mm. you know, all of that. But I, what was interesting about the book and the way they talked about it is that she says, like, this was like three hours of people saying, you're ugly, and this is wrong with you, and this is wrong with you, and this is wrong mm -hmm. with you. And I think that put a real perspective on this thing that I think maybe, like, I've been conditioned culturally to be like, yay, fun, makeover sequence. Yeah, and it yeah. is, like, deeply painful. Yeah. I appreciated that in in the book that she was like, this sucked. It mm -hmm. felt bad. She was yeah. like, it should feel good. And of course, it sounds like, of course, the movie just was like, makeover montage. Whee! A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But there was still the sense of like, they did not make her blonde like they do in the book. But there right. was this scene of Lily being like, what? What happened to you? And that really <laughs> drives them apart. And yeah, she's like wearing a it's not a bucket hat. It's like a cute version of that. But she's wearing a little hat over all her hair. And yeah, it's weird how I, I think I was just positioned exactly in the right moment for that that movie to hit for me, especially like Anne Hathaway was to this day. That's what I want to look like. Is Anne Hathaway. <laughs> that's it for me. But there's even like a, a moment I, I think of so often, like Mia shows off her new hair. Lana is making fun of her. They're in English class. And Lily is like, what would we rather talk about? Voltaire or Vault hair? Personally, Voltaire. And like swivels it back. But that's something oh I think about so often. Because it took me like a decade to understand what she was saying. That is so funny. That's really clever. The, the screenplay was written by a woman, and I only know this because when I was in college, I ran like a 
women are screenwriters, Tumblr. <laughs> so yeah. the, the movie was written by a woman named Gina Wencos, and she did a great job. I mean, very different, but still solid, still solid movie. film. That's yeah. good. My plan is to, now that I've reread this book in adulthood, is to watch the movie and, and figure out if I like that. Yeah. Because it's um, interesting, like, to, I've held that movie off for so mm -hmm. long out of respect for my nostalgia for this book. And now I've gone back and revisited it. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes nostalgia is really great. And sometimes it, you grow out of things for a reason. There are parts of it where I'm like, maybe not today, but I'm excited to see how I'll feel about the movie now. Yeah. I've sort of broken that seal. The movie is meant to be very timeless, which I think makes sense like as a, as a Disney thing. But yes. This, in a way that I think works, feels so rooted in the moment. It feels so rooted in, like, Princess Diana was three years ago, to the point where when the press swarms the high school, kids are sticking their head out of the windows going, you killed Princess Di, which I loved. I loved that detail. Yes! <laughs> Wonderful. I love the year 2000 of it all. Oh my god, yeah. It was really just so nice <laughs> yeah. there's like while she's prepping for the dance or in, in some of the last pages there's a moment where she's talking about fashion and she goes icicles are very in and it's like they were yes, <laughs> they really, they really were. were and i knew exactly like the color blue mm -hmm. dress i knew exactly what it was yeah icicles were in they that, like I, powdery exactly. blue i knew exactly what she meant and like i saw it i saw the the runway of it i saw all of it I loved that at the very end, because I was waiting for it the whole time to see if it made it, she references Majesty Magazine, which is a magazine about royal families, which is real because my mom subscribed <laughs> and we still oh have Oh my god. Some. Oh so my I was, god. I was so pumped that I was like, there's a historical record that this existed. <laughs> this is not something I made up. <laughs> that is so funny. That is wild. Also, uh, in light of the 2000s of it all, this could not be made today with the way the world is. Mm -hmm. She would know she's a princess. She would find some picture of her dad online okay. or somebody would find it and send it to her. There's just, there's something really beautiful about like that point in time where it's yeah. like they all had cell phones, right? But at the same time, the internet was not mm -hmm. what it is today. So th that family could have that big of a secret. Yeah. Whereas today, all those secrets are more than likely going to get out between, oh, yeah. you know, ancestry things and, mm -hmm. and the internet and everything else. Yeah. I mean, to the point, like, they're on dial-up. She has to That's right. instant message with Michael to say, get off the computer, I need to call Lily. And those two things can't happen at the same time. Also, the computer club. Mm -hmm. I had forgotten about the computer club and their whole deal in the movie they lean into him being in a band like that's not a secret and there's ah. he, I don't I don't remember exactly what it is but they have some Michael and Mia have some kind of tiff right before you know the the grand ending and mm. she sends him a pizza that has M&Ms on it that sells out the word sorry and that was another like very iconic there's M&M oh, pizza Yes, because so very early on in the movie, it all connects somehow. And these are only the parts I remember. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. he's playing the piano and there are M&Ms on the keys. And every once in a while, he'll like eat one as he's playing. And it's like, it's a little throwaway <laughs> thing. Um, okay. But I remember thinking Michael Moskowitz in the movie was very cute. And then 
once I had my own internet access, like 2008 maybe, I remember looking him up and finding out he does have a band, and I like bought their album on iTunes. It's not bad. Oh, wow. <laughs> that actor had a band? Yeah, and I think that's, that's so like funny. the only thing he's ever done. He's oh wow that's interesting i remember the michael in my head is oh was always better than the michael on Mm -hmm. screen yeah no tino shade to that guy (laughs) i'm sure he's really lovely they were different actors but the actor they got to play josh looked so much like the heartthrob on lizzie mcguire at the same time ethan craft there was very much a type which i really appreciate i know that name Mm -hmm. well he that actor ended up like being an Olympic swimmer or something. I don't know why I know all this, but oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm looking up Josh Richter. Yeah, he was a very typical like surfer boy. I feel like was kind of the in thing. At the time. Oh, this actor. I feel like he was in a lot of Disney Channel movies. Mm-hmm. He yeah, was kind he... of California surf boy. Yes, was kind mm-hmm. of that vibe and that. Yeah, he might have been in like one of the skateboarding Disney movies. Brink! That's right, he was in Brink. Those Disney Channel movies were very good. Oh, yeah. Do I prefer them because it's my nostalgia or not? But I was watching in Barbie, there is a reference to a Disney Channel original movie to Gotta Kick It Up, which is America Ferrer is one of her first acting roles. Wow. Do you know Gotta Kick It Up? I don't. It's about, there's a a teacher at this, you know, sort of like inner city struggling school who actually was the the Broadway belle in Beauty and the Beast. She Mm -hmm. was in a lot of like Disney voice acting stuff. Mm -hmm. And she becomes the dance captain for this almost entirely like Latina group of girls that includes America Ferreira. She's I think like the second or third lead girl. And their like chant becomes Si Se Puede, like Yes We Can. And at one point in Barbie someone says si se puede and it was like me and another person in the theater like oh my god (laughs) I watched that (laughs) and I like I don't know if that was on purpose but it was to me it was a great little film gotta kick it up I might know it the si se puede I'm like wait do I I might know this I feel like it has to have other broader cultural influence that I just don't know about (laughs) than this Disney Channel original movie I think I've seen this I think it was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Disney Channel does, they had their finger on the pulse for yeah. sure. Between like the original movies and like what they mm-hmm. did with this. It's yeah. Yeah. And even, I know it was when I was in high school, there was a Disney Channel movie of another one of Meg Cabot's books that's called Avalon High. That is, I think, like something about girl in high school plus King Arthur that I never watched, oh. but I remember I remember seeing the trailers for it. I remember being like, I'm a little too old for that. But knowing knowing it's coming out and things like that, yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I Meg Cabot, yeah, really had it down. Yeah. There's something about this time, but also like the way she uses the teenage voice, but also this time in media and in culture that was like respecting teenagers' feelings. Yeah. Or yeah. seemingly the first time. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, this was the year that da- like Dawson's Creek was happening. And that reminds me of something my sister said about that show. She loved it so much. And she was like, I, I like this show because they take teenage feelings seriously. Yeah. And they like make it into as big of a deal as it feels at that time or whatever. Yeah. 
And I see a lot of that reflected in this too. Yeah. It was the same year as Malcolm in the Middle, which is all about yes. a kid saying like, let me actually tell you how I feel. Let me tell you exactly what's yes. going on. Yeah. Also, <laughs> this book is very funny because I like, it like had moments where I was truly laughing out loud. Yes, absolutely. And I was like, I am like so grown, but this like book for preteen me still slaps. Absolutely. And that's wild. And I also appreciate the ADHD of it all, where she's like, okay, okay this is a notebook that's open. Here's how I'll write that down right yeah. now. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's algebra homework on some pages. There's like the definition of satire and things like that. Yes. Yeah. And I, I loved also the way that those seem to kind of flow in thematically. Mm -hmm. I thought was really nice. And also I was like, oh, I, I remember some of that now. Yeah. I, <laughs> at one point I was like, that's not the slope formula I remember. So I had to look it up and I was like, no, actually I'm misremembering it. I'm thinking about that's something else. That's so funny. <laughs> Uh, and I tried to understand algebra again, and I just, it didn't work. I, I don't know if I said this already, but I really liked that there was the ultimate trauma of trying to figure out algebra homework at the kitchen table with your dad. Which oh. I, 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> every, it feels like every generation, it's like, there is new math. It's the same math, mm. but it's just like the language around it has changed. Yeah. Like in the, some way, shape, or form. The method they're drawing it different or something like that. Yeah, or like how you're you're getting it. Are you you know dividing by ten first before? Yeah, it's interesting. Or it's like okay, we're all we're getting to the same place. <laughs> just finding these other ways of doing it. This was just such a lovely little trip down memory yeah. lane. So how do you feel having come off the experience of like spending time with it as an adult? What was it like? It was really cool. It brought back a lot of memories for me at that time and like just not even so much of like specific memories but like specific feelings it evoked mm. so it was so nice I, I i felt like i was able to reconnect with 11 year old me again and it was just delightful would you I consider it required reading which can be required to get to know you yeah i think so Hell yeah. I think it is. I think it is. I mean, required to get to know me for sure. Mm -hmm. Me at that time, just utterly obsessed with these books, which I feel like for me, any other time mm -hmm. doesn't track. I am not a, yeah. like, I, I was always such a tomboy and always just to the beat of my own drum, but mm -hmm. and to like really identify with this like, oh, princess story. Exactly. Is just wild. Yeah, I remember that too. I was very like anti-pink, anti all that. And yet yeah, there this was is like bubblegum and, and I love it. Yeah. It also dealt with maybe somebody who was more of that, you know, she wears combat boots. Mm -hmm to school every day, but now has to be a princess. There's just something so relatable of her like embracing this, like for having to embrace this like more feminine part of her life and like being like, okay, what does this mean for me? Yeah. Like yeah. on this other level. I really appreciated that like adolescence felt very rigid. I, I think one thing mm -hmm. that resonated so much about the 
the argument with Lily is that like Lily has these expectations of who Mia is and when Mia starts to change those Lily gets really upset and I I felt like that like it's to the point where like I don't want to like wear a different pair of shoes because I know Calvin's gonna mention it oh like I don't want to you know if I start hanging out with it like join a different club it's not even that I think people are gonna dislike me it's that like I don't want to talk about it I don't I want to be fluid and that's kind of scary yeah that is interesting i have a very specific memory of a friend of mine who was also a tomboy and and every day would wear you know basketball shorts and a t-shirt and she came up to me one day and was like hey i have to tell you something tomorrow i'm gonna come to school and i'll be dressed in girl clothes i'll be girly tomorrow and it was like a thing which i'm like i'm sure that is not what you wanted at all i'm sure you just wanted to do whatever you wanted Mm -hmm. to do and being you without it being a thing yeah i remember I never wore makeup at all like it just wasn't like it wasn't something my mom did and so I remember I wanted to try it I wanted to try wearing eyeliner but I didn't want anyone to say anything about it so I like (laughs) left my house and then I put it on on the bus and I was so nervous all day of like someone's gonna say something and only one person said something it was my friend Andy and he said that's really nice man (laughs) it was so nice that's a good kid isn't that funny how it like switches from childhood to adulthood of like god no one mentioned this don't look at me being like i wish someone would notice this exactly i remember so clearly valentine's day of 2020 i had just started a new job and i wore like a very pink dress for valentine's day and no one said anything i remember being very upset about it (laughs) yeah say something exactly is there anything you'd like to plug as we close out? Sure, yeah. I have a show, at, if, for folks in Los Angeles, I have a show at UCB. Just generally a really fun time. The second Wednesday of every month with Amazing. my team, Wishbone. Thank you. And Thank um, you. This has been Required Reading, and your homework for next week is All of a Kind Family by Sydney Taylor. It's the next book we're doing. So. Um. Just kidding, hee hee. This is me as an editor again. We had a little scheduling shuffle. The next episode, episode 10. Boy, you aren't even ready. All I'll say is may the odds be ever in your favor. I can't wait to see you next week.